0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. This is Inside
1: Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. Got a packed show for you today, Wednesday morning. Um, Before we get into any of that, though, uh, legendary Vikings coach Bud Grant passed away over the weekend at the age of 95 um we'd be remiss if we did not start the show talking about him and his legacy uh 95 years old and i was st- stunned when when mm-hmm. the news came yeah. out that he was yeah. gone which kind of speaks to to who bud grant was um kind of felt like he was going to live forever um he was born in wisconsin but nobody represented minnesota more than him um and, and in, in the vikings organization not just the vikings organization the state um, obviously, the NFL at large and, and, and everyone that knew him well lost a, a really great man over the weekend, Tom. Huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Superior Wisconsin. So he wasn't too far from Duluth. And, you know, like you kind of mentioned, he uh, um, very much was like all of Minnesota, right? Three sports at. Uh, University of Minnesota even when he coached in the in the Canadian Football League it was Winnipeg <laughs> which isn't mm-hmm. too far away um and he, you know he had won championships up there I mean aside from not winning the Super Bowl and you, when you look at the teams they lost to, I mean these are like dynasty type teams like Shula's uh Dolphins you know Bradshaw and the Steelers um you know you go down all the, the list of these teams that were just incredible so again Vikings fans would like to say hey you know could you win one of them but outside of that I mean just he was kind of stoic and and yeah kind of um, if he feels like he was the first coach, obviously it was when Brocklin, who he took over for, and he did like influence the rest of them, right? He he, um, I think retired in eighty three, came back in eighty five, and then was a consultant from eighty six on. And as much as I never had a conversation or a relationship with him, like I knew he was present in the building, right? He mm-hmm. had an office. He was he was consulting the the coaching staff. Um, and you're right. Like when when guys are kind of in their seventies, eighties, you know, certainly nineties you kind of always in the back of your head, you're like, you know, is this person in good health? Like, you know, all this stuff with him, you're right. Like I I've never been that surprised to hear someone who's 95 had passed. And I mean Mm -hmm. that in like the most sincere way, like he just seemed like, um, yeah, like like because he's so omnipresent and 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 so influential with the Vikings. So I, honestly, I had to do a little research on him. I didn't realize he was never cut from a team. Like I think the Eagles drafted him, and he was like, "I don't like that rookie contract. I'll just go play for the Minneapolis Lakers." And of course, he was kind of playing for his friend Sid Hartman, right? Because Hartman was involved right. with that group. Right. Um, you know, like <clears throat> it, it was with the Eagles, and I was like, "I don't like the second contract." He went and played in the the CFL. Um, even kind of went on his, on his own terms with the Vikings twice and so and just seemed like kind of an everyman for a guy who was that gifted athletically right he loved the outdoors he had garage sales like you know what I mean there was just there's something I there just won't ever be anyone kind of like him and I think it's um it's crazy to think like he he uh how many generations of Vikings fans have kind of like a bud grant in their life. Right. Because he was, he, he was involved with the team. To the extent he was even at um, O'Connell's press conference, right. Talking to his kids afterwards and stuff like that. So um, yeah, something kind of missed there. I think the Vikings described him as he is the Vikings. And I know that phrase gets used a lot, but like he kind of was, I mean, he, he was so influential and, and and, um, represents the most successful tenure in Vikings history.
1: For sure. Kind of established the Vikings as a national brand from the seventies on Um, and you know, he's certainly someone who will never be forgotten. So we could spend the whole show talking about Bud. Um, but obviously, we, we definitely wanted to <clears throat> pay homage to him and kind of speak to, you know, what he meant to the franchise. And it does seem like everyone has a Bud Grant story. So mm-hmm. anyone listening, I'm, just, I'm sure they, they have their own Bud Grant story, whether it's they knew him personally or just, you know, a story that stands out to them. I think the one that everyone was was talking about, um, on the day he passed was obviously the negative. It felt like negative a million, but it was like negative six before the winter, yeah. the Seahawks uh, playoff game at, at TCF Bank stadium. Um, and Bud Grant wears a t-shirt. So, you know, I think everyone has their own story and um, I know it's been a few days now, but if, if you're listening, just, you know, take a couple moments to, to think about Bud and to think about the stories you have, um, you know, special man. And, you know, I would say gone too soon. And and it's true. um, Mm -hmm. But He he also lived a really full life. So um, RIP to Bud Grant 95. All right. It's always hard to to transition out of these things. Um, At least it feels, you know, like a celebration of life. Um, It doesn't feel so tragic. I know it's sad, um, but man, that guy lived a full life, but um, he loved the Vikings. We'll keep talking about the Vikings. A lot to get into today, Tom, Um, and and we'll kind of do like a housekeeping list of of everything the Vikings have done with, um, you know, the league year officially starting today, March 15th, or the new league year. Before we get into any of of the things they've added or subtracted, let's just talk about Kirk Cousins, because that's where we always Mm kind of end up with on this show. I think that's where every Vikings podcast at some point ends up at every single show. It it always comes back to Kirk Cousins. They are not extending him. They're not Mm -hmm. doing the kick the can down the road thing necessarily. They kind of are, Um, but they're not giving him an extra year on his contract. They're not giving him a long-term commitment. The way I see it right now, based on the news that came out yesterday, he's just going to finish out this contract and and then they're going to figure out the rest later. But they did a cap conversion, saved them $16 million this year, basically added more void years and pushed out the cap hit from I think it was roughly 46 this year to down to 20 ish this year with the cost being that next year. So Kirk cousins could finish out his contract this year, not be on the books at all, or not be on the team at all and still be on the books next year in 2024 for a cap hit of $28 million to not be on the team. So this is a classic case of kicking the can down the road without actually committing to him next year. Um, it's the credit card thing you talk about again, Tom, like they saved money this year, which I I guess was really, really important because they, they still had holes to fill on their offense and defense. But having a $28 million cap hit for a guy who's not going to be on the team, I get it. There's more money next year. It opens up, but it's still going to kind of impede you of doing what you want. And then, you know, there's dead money after that. Um, so it's 28.5 and, and 24. <clears throat> 18.25 in, in 2025, 8 million in, in 2026, and 4 million in 2027. So they're gonna be paying cousins till least 40.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we we talked about like the risks with a long-term extension, the fact that he was unlikely to take something team friendly, kind of just retire in Minnesota. I mean, maybe his camp believes that this just makes it more likely that they resign him at some point. I suppose if you're cousins, you're I mean you're kind of betting on yourself right like how do you know if he has a good season how do they let him go and just gamble with you know a journeyman or a um or or a rookie quarterback i suppose if they take one in yeah. this draft um the team we've parsed their words a lot i get the impression it's like acono likes him he's likes working with him you know they've never gone above nor should they like hey he's he's fine you know what i mean i mean that's kind of like mm-hmm. how i've summarized those those comments that's not their exact words um i got the impression this was they went to harrison and smith and were like hey can we restructure and he was like nah <laughs> you know <laughs> like, like that's not happening and i think they kind of tested the trade market with Dalvin cook and again this is based off of rumors and stuff that was reported online but also kind of common sense that they probably shopped around and then eckler asked for a trade and they were probably like well there's probably not a huge trade market for Dalvin cook so um i think after that you know this is probably the final you know the ripcord right is it, like okay we're gonna defer right. all this money back i don't know if I mean, it's absurd to think like if this is Cousins' last year in 26 and 27, um, you're going to be paying him, right? Or like he's going to have have the the, the dead cat. I mean, that doesn't feel great, but that those numbers aren't that prohibitive. It's more like what happens next year because it does feel like they're kind of hard resetting, right? And we have all these different words for different things, but like they're not tanking, right? We know that they don't ever intend to do that, or at least that's what quasi K- said. We also know that this isn't what a full on tank would look like. Um, right also hard to do if you're just about to pay jefferson hawkinson but like i'm calling it a hard reset because it's like the only reason why i think they'd be competitive at all is like i'm not certain the nfl or the nfc north is that good let us let alone the nfc as a whole so it's like you probably can kind of compete without you know all, all four cylinders going but like it does feel like this is kind of a reset and it's just, I thought this reset was happening while they kind of cleared the books at cousins. And it actually turns out they're doing it while kind of accommodating his salary. Right. I mean, that's the only way I can think to say that. And the unfortunate part of that is I think in 24, they want to be competitive again. Yep. You're like, how are you doing that? Then if you're paying a quarterback, who's not playing with that kind of cap hit. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Again, Brzezinski great. I, I got to imagine he's being tested right now in terms of just how this all works. And, Um, I know there's, there's a plan here. And I think as much as people have kind of gone up and down, right. Everyone I think is on board with Connell with Casey. I think people have kind of gone up and down throughout his tenure, but it's Mm -hmm. like, if these draft picks kind of show out, right. He has a good draft and he gets something, some production out of the second year players and the fact that the Davenport move and some of the stuff we'll get into, like he's done some savvy things. It's just like right after the Davenport thing where you like, they solved the Z'Darrius Smith problem, if you want to call it that, where he wants off the team, turn around and you're like, wait, you just gave, you know, you just deferred all this money back from Cousins. And so yeah, it's a situation they're in. I mean, again, this is why people wanted to, to burn it down last year. I'd argue it's fine. They won 13 games. It's fine what they did. But the Thielen thing's <sighs> bit him a little bit, and the Cousins thing is biting them right now. For sure. It is
1: weird looking at the books next year and just on over the cap, I'm looking on my phone. Like you, you jump to the 2024 tab. Kirk Cousins has the highest cap hit on the team. Yeah. And he might not be on the team. Like it, it is, it. it's something that almost had to happen <clears throat> if you couldn't get Harrison to take his pay cut or if you didn't, you couldn't find a trade suitor for, for, for Dalvin Cook. This is kind of like the best way of creating cap space without committing to Kirk Cousins long-term. Which if they were willing to do this cap conversion, Tom, like common sense would tell me they couldn't agree on a long-term deal or either the Vikings or the or Kirk Cousins didn't want a long-term deal. Because if you're going to kick the money down the road, you might as well just commit to them. Um, mm-hmm. But because they they didn't commit to him, it, it makes me seem like, you know, as they still kicked money down the road without committing to him, it, it seems like that's an active decision not to, to tie themselves to cousins any longer than this year. So we'll see how that kind of transpires over the next, I'll say two years, because after the next two years, the cap hit, even though it still exists, is pretty negligible in in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of the NFL books. Um, but 28 million and then 18.25 is not insignificant the following year as well. So 2024 and 2025, you're going to be jumping through some hoops um, with a quarterback who's potentially not on the roster. That being said, it did save you money this year or it created cap space this year, I should say to go make some moves, to to do things to improve the team, to change it up a little bit. Um, we, we knew this was coming, but um, it, it's going to be weird because we talked about it last week, <clears throat> when Adam Thielen was let go, um, strange Adam Thielen was let go. Eric Kendricks was let go. Um, Patrick Peterson signed somewhere else. Delvin Tomlinson signed somewhere else. Um, they waved cam Danzler just kind of randomly one morning.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: It's just like, so those, like all of those names I just listed, um, Thielen, Kendricks, Peterson, Tomlinson, Dantzler, um starters last year, like people yeah. that, you know, like, have name recognition in the cities Um probably jerseys bought within the city like these guys are no longer on the team it, it's going to look strange next year Um quickly returning players they they re-upped with Bradbury I think they re-upped with Nick Mullins and then um they kept the the specialists together um, Ryan Wright punter is under contract Andrew DePaula long snapper will be back and Greg Joseph will also be back
0: let's I want to pause on Joseph real quick, because that I wasn't certain was going to happen. I I understand there's, like, kind of bigger things going on here, but DePaul made sense. I know he's – I think he's 35, but, like, he was an all-star, right? made the Pro Bowl. And, like, um, also, I mean, I know people kind of downplay this, but he does, like, have – for like a long snapper it feels like an outsized influence in the room certainly like within the special teams yeah, and if yeah. you're matt daniel so this is the special teams coordinator he is very much of like the these guys he's like he'll start the season obviously coaching and commanding the room and he is really charismatic and a good coordinator but like he will eventually just turn it over to some of his guys and be like hey you lead the meeting here you and he's it sounds like he leaned on depaul because probably wisely he's like people get sick of his voice after a while right it's yeah. it, you know you could be the, the coolest guy in the world like people are like yeah it becomes monotonous and stuff and he kind of talked about that in the middle of the season i think that paula has an influence there and i think he's really important both in terms of like you don't want the long snapper to mess up his job uh, yeah. it's always you only notice him when they do and like um you know, in terms of, I think he's a guy he leans on the Greg Joseph one. I know they liked, right. It, it, looking back, it's like insane that there was actually like a punter competition. I suppose Wright was young, but like Wright was largely good. I, I I'm trying to remember. He'd like shanked a punt in Sanneapolis or something like that. And he maybe had a couple other that went great, but like he can boom it. Right. I mean, he's, he's a really gifted punter. Um, and like, he is ginormous <laughs> for a punter. Yeah, too. Like yeah. I, I think, I think that dude will be around for a while greg joseph obviously you think of like the giants game in the regular season that that kick and and um at times was clutch he just seems almost like the prototypical vikings kicker and that like he's capable of doing a lot he's also like missed some extra points they're moving around like between the center of the field and the hash i think we'd see him because sometimes they do interviews in the practice area we'd see him working after practice and good on him to do this but like trying to refine his motion and stuff like that. Right. And so like, yeah, I'm a little, I thought maybe they'd go into this season with, um, <clears throat> With a competition, right? Uh, I don't think they could use a draft pick on kicker. We talked about how they have to foul a defense. They don't have many picks, yeah. but I thought maybe you bring in. I mean, they do just always bring in guys off the street or like someone kind of gets cut late or whatever. And I gotta imagine this is actually Matt Daniels' influence in the room. My guess is the coordinator, unless they really dislike the kicker, is always going to say keep my unit together. Right? These guys have to like have everything down pat in terms of like the the snap the hold all this stuff um and he might i mean the thing is the coordinator will always support their kicker until they cut him but like he did seem genuine in that like even when i remember like joseph had a kick where like someone blocked it with their helmet it wasn't like a long kick but it's he doesn't have to like kick it at that trajectory to make the kick and he just like hit the meat of the ball and you're like how the hell you hit someone in the head, <laughs> you know. What I mean, the kick, and he's like, no, "No, no, he just hit the meat of the ball. He just needs to hit lower. He'll be fine." And I think he made a big field goal in the next game. Um, but that one was interesting to me. It just felt like they're kind of they're committing to a guy, and the continuity does matter. But they are committing to a guy who is not really like a young quote unquote prospect. This isn't young Blair Walsh. This isn't Daniel Carlson under different circumstances. This is a guy who like veteran and kind of is who he is at this point. um and i kind of you know i thought about like writing on this that it's like they kind of committed to the vikings roller coaster like hey the vikings kicker position always going to be a mystery yeah and
1: it, it, they did it kind of under the radar right it was like a late late night news dump i think that the, the yeah it's was, was like, like we caught thing. dancer
0: and sign joseph yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it came through at like 8 at night and it was like oh, yeah. God, we're gonna re up with greg joseph but, uh... No one, knows. no one knows yeah his
0: agent didn't his agent broke the news right yeah it was on yeah. twitter yeah yeah, yeah.
1: normally does that yeah but he yeah. Got, congrats on yeah he uh tweeted congrats to my client greg joseph on his new deal and then the vikings tweeted it out like an hour later so uh, i agree with you there like it is it's weird to not have at least a competition we don't know what the money looks like or the guarantees look like so maybe there aren't a lot of guarantees hung up in there, and maybe there is going to be a competition at you know, whether it be OTA's training camp. yeah, to Greg Joseph's credit, he destroyed any any kicking competition he had in the summer last year. yeah um, but then left something to be do- desired in the regular season. So I think you're right, they probably did come into the roller coaster. I would not be surprised if Greg Joseph misses an extra point at some point next year, and people are wondering why they just ran it back with the same operation. Um, but it's what they're doing. It seems what like, so yeah, they retained Bradbury Mullins the, as the backup to Paula and Joseph. I said, the names are losing. Um, and here, so they signed, they've signed three names or agreed to, to terms with three guys. Um, I don't know if they've officially signed. I actually don't know. if I only think Josh Oliver has, but Josh Oliver tight end, that one mm-hmm. created quite the stir on Twitter. Um, so Josh Oliver was the first guy they signed. Marcus Davenport, an edge rusher who has really underperformed at this point in his career but still young. Um, and Byron Murphy, late last night, cornerback. Um, what do those moves do for you, Tom?
0: Yeah, I mean, starting with the Oliver one, I think it just made waves because it happened first. And this just yeah. happens, right? I mean, I don't think <clears> – <throat> I get these teams realize they're public facing and that they have to get fans on their side. Um, I think part of the competitive rebuild, to be honest, is, hey, let's start out with a 13-win season or even if, you know, under different circumstances where they were less lucky, like a 10 or 11-win season and then kind of get people on our side and then and then we got to go through kind of this uh, rejuvenation, hard reset or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the Oliver thing, though, like, I, they don't have a lot of control, right? Ultimately, they are probably looking at all these moves at once, right? And they're kind of happening as they're able to kind of secure them. I think the biggest thing with this, and we had Rob Searles, one of our writers, before this happened, wrote about how um, O'Connell may move from the McVay, specifically obviously the Rams here, like wide receiver heavy scheme, um, which made sense given that the talent was at receiver um, uh, and they had Stafford with the Rams, to something that's more too tight end. And I think people hear too tight end and they go, oh, it's Zimmer again. And you're like, well, it's not – Gary Kubiak where it's or the Kubiak scheme because I guess Clint ran it too but like uh, you know of like play action and heavy sets and all that I mean I because it's cousins it's gonna be understanding and play action but I don't think they're going that far this is actually more Andy Reid and it makes sense given again like Kelsey is a standard on his own but like Hawkinson should be in that realm right I mean if you pay that much money you trade you trade that much draft capital for a guy like that especially taking a risk within the division. he's got to be Kelsey esque right? I'm not saying the same player, but he has to have kind of the same influence in the offense. Mm -hmm. So again, you, one of those tight ends is a hybrid, right? It was supposed to be over Smith. That is TJ Hawkinson. And he's probably your second best receiver, unless like Osborne takes a crazy step or you find someone in the draft. And again, like, I don't know if that's going to happen. So Hawkinson's probably your best second best receiver. Um, the offense is still oriented around Jefferson. Um, I, think, I guess he's Tyreek Hill, right? And then, like, Oliver just seems like a better month. You know what I mean? Like, he can he can catch, he can block. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of those things where f- football nuts are going to love him, right? And, like, because they'll see things that, like, the average person goes, what do you mean? He was blocking the linebacker on that play or whatever. And I think it's going to be harder to sell people on it because it's just not as exciting as like seeing three or four receivers out there and slinging the ball over the field. But I think it makes sense when you have cousins under center. I think assuming you have Cook again, like Cook, I think it makes some sense. And I think my guess is that's actually one of our guys wrote, this is actually a market inefficiency. This is quasi being the Wall Street guy, picking up this tight end. And so again, assuming he stays healthy and does what he's supposed to do, I – it's, it's a shift to read. It's just not a shift to Kubiak. And I think that's the most important thing to take here is that it is influencing the offense. It just might not be the way people think it is.
1: Yeah. I I think it's a good point you make about Oliver, like that he was the first. So he was just always going to be like, like, that's what you're doing. Like, that's the move that that you, you're deciding to, to to, like these negotiations, they kind of happen simultaneously. And it's just Mm -hmm. like this, this one came out. Um, you're right that football nuts are going to love this guy. Um, I think he was the second best rated pl- pass blocking tight end for PFF. Um, so he's someone who will probably not look sexy in the stat sheet, but it might help impact winning. Um, you look at Marcus Davenport, like a guy like him, an edge rusher, he basically felt like a Zedarius Smith replacement for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think. Like, there there was the drama last week of Zidarius basically saying goodbye on Twitter and mm. Instagram and then the report that like he'd asked for his release and then the ensuing report that said the Vikings have no plans on doing that. Yeah. Basically saying, like, we're not gonna cut you. We don't have to. Um, but this felt like money in, money out. It almost makes like the money actually almost matches. Like the reported value was 13, one year, thirteen million dollars. Um you basically save I think 12 if you cut to Darius Smith w- when you account for the dead money. It felt like a replacement for me. Um, it felt like a low-risk, kind of high-reward deal for me. Um, what do you think of Davenport? Because like I know his numbers aren't super stellar. I think he only had a half-sack last year in, in a rotational role. Um, but as a 26-year-old, it, it feels like with the right defense, um, the right guy the, dialing up the pressure a la Brian Flores, he has the tools it seems like, and it doesn't seem like the Darius Smith situation is going to get solved necessarily anytime soon.
0: Yeah. I mean, this was a so 14th overall. I think this was supposed to be a big pick at the time when the saints made it also came out of Texas, San Antonio, who I think was Hodges. I remember there was like some tight end that the, uh, maybe David Morgan, the, the Vikings had a tight end, but it's like this random program that he came out of. Um, but I think they had a, like high promise that this being the saints uh, when he first came out and i think you know he in 21 um uh nine sacks i mean he looked kind of to deliver on that and even in his second season uh looked all right i think this is it's a little weird getting a guy at the beginning of his prime who came in with a lot of promise because mm-hmm. if he succeeds the vikings won't be able to capitalize and i don't think i don't think they're going to have the money right if you no. shout out the jefferson shout out to hawkinson uh hunter makes some right but like um You get a guy who's highly highly motivated i think i've heard kind of the sheldon richardson comp like kind of the um this dude is out to prove like pay me right and kind of wants a redo on last year and i think that's probably the right kind of person to put in this team that's going to have to overachieve a little bit in order to kind of get where they want to go um i the dairy smith thing i just don't i kind of want to understand what happened there because it's a very funny signing right he like came in with this hype because he was with the Green Bay Packers kind of felt revengey right some injury concerns also like both an outspoken guy in the locker room but not he wasn't of like the Patrick Peterson mold or like I'm trying to think of the guys on the on the on the scale between like Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson he was close to Patrick Peterson but there were times he was just ornery and didn't talk right and so it's hard to kind of get a full read on him (laughs) Um, but I do think like there's something kind of lost when he's gone. And having said that, it seems like he's mentally out. Like he just, he was like, Hey, thanks, everybody. I mean, he acted like he got cut. It's something you would post after you get cut, right? It'd be like that right. feeling was like, Thank you, Minnesota. And you're like, Wait, hold on. <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, you know, and I get, you know, this is the nature of social media, right? You can have a thought and you can put it out, especially these guys have a big following. You can put it out online as soon as you have it, right? But like, um, I don't again i don't fully understand that and i don't i'm trying to understand it's like the vikings think they can trade smith or like why because essentially by retaining him and bringing Davenport, i know that's money in money out but as of right now that's two contracts sitting there and you probably had to defer more money with cousins because is smith is there so this is one of those funny things where i think quacy looks like a genius in some ways right this is wall street uh Quasi being like find Zedarius you want out I'm just gonna go get Marcus Davenport and at the same time you're like well you have the other contracts sitting on the book so I think that is to be continued right there's something else going on there yeah um but it, that is a really weird situation it's both like almost painfully obvious that Zedarius Smith looked and he was like well this team is not as all in I guess as the other team right um but also like you're like for how savvy these guys are. Right. And like, they, they have agents and they have, you know, people kind of that, that handle them. It is a little funny that he was like, see ya. And crazy was like, no, 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 (laughs) like you stayed here. You're under contract. So I think that's one of those things to monitor, right? We have a lot of answers. That's something that is unanswered right now.
1: That comes out like a few days ago. If you just juxtapose his surprise announcement on Twitter, that actually wasn't an announcement because the Vikings did not cut him. Yeah. With the press conference he did early in the year, when he's like, "Yeah, I signed in Minnesota, so I could play with the Packers two times a year." Yeah, and yeah. it's like he did that one for one year. Like he's yeah. like, "I signed a three-year deal," so I could, and then come to find out, you know, eight, nine, ten months later, he's asking for his release. Um, it, it, that that thing is not done yet. The chapter is not closed on that yet or that story, at least the chapter might be closed on, on Zedaria Smith in Minnesota. Um, but I had imagined we would find some resolution here in the next couple of days. And then Byron Murphy, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a ton about him. I do know he plays cornerback Tom. He plays right. cornerback and that is essential right now because with the departure of Patrick Peterson, who shout out to him, he got two years in, in Pittsburgh. I know he wanted to play two more years. He gets two years. Um, and then Cam Dans are getting way picked up by Washington the Vikings need a cornerback help. Um I know Byron Murphy is a physical corner. I know he plays in the style um that Brian Flores likes his cornerbacks to play. Um he was the guy that you kind of saw in a lot of these trendy like who should the Vikings look into lists um at the beginning of free agency. Um played in Arizona last year. Um so the Vikings at least are adding to their cornerback room. <clears throat> they probably need to add a little bit more. Right now it's Byron Murphy. Andrew Booth Jr., Caleb Evans, a couple of guys I've never heard of. So I think Tay Gowans and that really fast guy yeah. who Chris Thompson interviewed, who I <laughs> you know I, I don't even know his last name. I know he he thinks he's the fastest guy in the locker.
0: Jalen so. yeah, Miller might have something to say. <clears throat> yeah, I I mean here's the thing: they had to do something. This couldn't just be draft. I mean, some of this, and I think we'll see more of this as Quasi calling his own number. Right? He's like Zadarius Smith. Once out? I'll get to have a part. We talked about that. I think this is probably like I believe in Booth and the Caleb Evans still. Uh Booth was most concerned because like Scene, like Scene's getting knocked, but I'm like, Seen Scene got hurt. You know what I mean? Like a highly serious injury that he sustained in London, like overseas. Yeah. Um, I think Scene's gonna be a really fun player, like a hard-hitting, like um, you know, apparently a pretty smart guy. Like I Booth when so I'm, I I think of the Buffalo game the most, right? Because I think Buffalo is the one where it's like you're playing Josh Allen. You're an underdog on the road. Um, You can't just get lit up, right? And, like, think of how that game started. Like, I think Cousins fumbled or nearly fumbled, throwing the ball kind of wantonly back towards uh, Delvin Cook as he tripped. And then he literally threw the ball right at a defender. And you're like, this could unspool really quick. And actually, I think the defense had a role there and kind of keeping it tight. But, like, the lasting memory defensively, outside of Patrick Peterson's pick, which ended the game, was Duke Shelley and Dawson Knox right? Where you go like, hey, they're throwing out this like five nine dude who like was playing for Chicago week one, and you picked up off their you know Chicago ball teams was like, yeah we're out on him, and, and you picked him up off the practice squad. Like that dude's guarding this ginormous tight end and did it right, like knocks the ball away, and all, and you're like, oh, yeah. maybe Duke Shelley has something, but you're kind of like, what's up with Dancer? What's and that was one where I think Booth kind of struggled, and again against a good quarterback and a good team, but like. um you're like, huh? What's going on? Because there's there, there the thing with Booth was more like, could he stay healthy? Like he's dropping in the draft because of injury concerns, and this was supposed to be a value play again, Quasi kind of play the market and all that stuff. Um, Caleb Evans, on the other hand, seems to have like one of the highest like everyone loves him, right? Because of how he acts on Twitter, he seems like this friendly dude. He also looked like a really good player. It's highly concerned. I think he had like three concussions, right? Like, yeah, it's, there there are like serious injury concerns with him, but like if. He can stay healthy. Um, that looks like a good pick. Having said that, it's like you had to do something, and this guy. It's funny if you look at him. Uh, this is Byron Murphy, second round pick by Arizona from Scottsdale. I kind of grew up there. I always think, and again, different markets are different. It does seem funny that it's like it feels like that's a guy they'd hold on to, if only because like you think fans would be kind of on board with him. But again, like it's the Arizona Cardinals. Like I guess their owner was like dumping on patrick peterson who was a super superstar right yeah, um yeah. and we know that they make the the guys pay for their food or whatever like the whole kyler murray situation the fact that their old coach like ran off the thailand like I, there's there's something weird going on with the arizona cardinals but like i think uh it, i don't know if this is hey we secured a guy who's going to be a guy for a while it does feel like pretty safe i guess to be like hey he you know Flores, Flores probably vouched for him, right? So he's probably a Flores guy. Uh, yeah. He's about the right age to play at a high level. He was not great last year, but but uh, played pretty well in twenty one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'd have to look more into how it works, you know, schematically or whatever. But you had to do something, and that's actually, that's actually why I was a little surprised with Dancer. Like Dancer is such a tantalizing player in that, like he started out camp where he looked fantastic right where he was the third round pick and glad he was the first and everyone's talking about dancer um at times he looks like this shirt fire tackler i mean obviously made the strip play i guess against chicago like there's been these little highlights where you're like man this guy could be good and i think the whole rep on him is just like mentally is all over the place and i think that's kind of true for corners i mean it's a tough position right it's like it's like you you have to go against some of the best athletes in the in the uh in the league right and and you have no idea where they're going and you have to stick to them. I mean, it's a pretty tough job, but like he, even for a corner seemed kind of all over the place. And I I don't know if he's going to get the change of scenery bump, or he might just be one of those guys who you're like, man, dancer could have been someone or whatever. But I thought they were going to hold on to him just because like, I I forget like Duke Shelley's not on the roster. You know what I mean? Like, like, and again, not to say Duke Shelley is the CB one replacement or whatever, but like Mm -hmm. they just need guys. And I guess this is a matter of like, at least they went and got someone. Cause I, again, like the, we know this because the old regime always drafted corners. There's no guarantees in the draft and like, they still have a lot of room in that cornerback room, but I guess this starts to fill it.
1: Yeah. And he's, what is he? 25. I think he's yeah. young. Like, so it, it doesn't like do a ton for me. Um Maybe they, they, they I don't know if catch lightning in a bottle is the right way to phrase it because He's, he's proven to be in a pretty good player, but like it, it just doesn't feel like it moves the needle a ton. Um, but at the end of the day, he's a body, he's in the locker room now, and he will be on the field starting at cornerback for the Vikings, which is what they needed. So Byron Murphy, kind of the last you know, shoot a drop there as far as what the Vikings have done so far. We're recording Wednesday morning, so I kind of add that caveat in at this time of the year because all of this could change. Um, they could sign someone huge here in the next. Uh, they can't sign someone huge. They have no money. Um, so, but the, the things can change in, in, in the coming days, and, and if they do, we will obviously circle back on that. Tom, before we wrap up, I want to make note on the maybe the greatest tweet of all time that we have not talked
0: about. Oh yet. yes. I love that. You're bringing this up. Thank you. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so I know Tom what you're doing.
1: Kind of teased it earlier when yeah. he mentioned that Harrison Smith, I mean, he's still set to make $19 million next year. Um, one would think that the Vikings have approached him to take a pay cut. Um, some would ask if the Vikings have <laughs> approached him to take a pay cut. My guy, Chris Thomason, the beat writer, for the Vikings at the St. Paul pioneer press, my coworker. He's our number one at, at on the Vikings beat <clears throat> sent a tweet at 11, 15 PM two days ago. I
0: love
1: it. When I recently texted bike hashtag Vikings. When I recently texted hashtag Viking safety, Harrison Smith to ask about his contract situation. He simply sent back this photo of Prince. The photo of Prince <laughs> is exceptional. Um, anyone who's listening, to this podcast, has probably seen this tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like freaking a million impressions on Twitter. Like it, it blew up. It might be one of Thomason's biggest tweets of all time. It's Prince wearing a hat and chain around his neck and some glasses, looking real stoic, kind of Derek Zoolander esque with, with the stare. I love it. Um, he simply sent back this photo of Prince. So, I imagine Thomason texting Harrison, "Hey, what's going on with your contract?" And the reply just being that picture I just described of Prince. Mm-hmm. doesn't end there though. Thomason continues since Prince is a Minnesota icon, I asked, is he sticking around? Does that mean he's if does that mean he's sticking around?" But I didn't hear back. Yeah. classic Thomason, greatest tweet he's ever had. Um, also shout out to Harrison, who's clearly trolling there. Like it's just a funny exchange right there. Um, that made and paved the way for one of the greatest tweets I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that makes Harrison Smith <laughs> likable is that, again, like he's made a lot of money doing this, but he just kind of seems like a guy out there, right? I mean, he—I he, don't think he's there's nothing flashy about him. He, I mean, safety is, I guess, a little different than corners, but like, you know, he's not the outspoken. Corner on the outside, or the defensive lineman, you know, racking up sacks or whatever he does. Like, he literally kind of seems like a hitman, right? That he kind of just goes and does his job yeah. and then goes home. I that is a high cap number, 19 million. I mean, when you look at it now, I think Cousins went from 36 to 20 again. That was deferring a whole bunch of money back. Um, Brian O'Neill's in that 19 million <laughs> range should be. Um, and then there's a drop off to Zedaria Smith, Delvin Cook, who are closer to 15. So like, it's not unreasonable for the Vikings to go, hey, like, can you work with us here? Also, if I'm Harrison Smith, though, I'm like, listen, I don't want to touch this. Like, he knows how old is he, how old he is. Yeah. He's exceptional that he can play at this level, um, you know, into his 30s. But like, he's probably, he kind of knew, like, Spielman probably gave him the bag, right? The last one he's really going to get. Um, I think he probably also <laughs> says kind of what we're saying here or we've said before that like he, Donatel was not using him. Right. You know, and Flores is going to be aggressive. And I think to the extent Smith can get in the backfield right uh, at, at this point in his career, he's going to send him back there um, and probably just be a little more clever and creative with them. Um, having said that, like this is kind of Harrison Smith in, in a nutshell. Like I, I can't imagine this dude sits around his phone texting and you know, all the time or whatever. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. not. And he's like, I'm going to do something funny and send it off. And it's, it's subtle and clever, and it, I think it kind of captures. I think he has kind of this wry, goofy sense of humor or whatever, kind of captured that. And then, yeah, that's Chris Thomason, who we, we know and love. <laughs> it just, it just, I read that and I was like, all right, I mean, this is its the funniest exchange, and like usually this would happen in normal human life, right? Between two people all of us on twitter get to experience it in all its glory so um so it's wonderful that that, that happened and again I, I guess if I'm harrison Smith, i go hey I, I want my money and i i think also i think he's going to be an impact player next year I, you know we'll, i'm curious how long that will last but um really smart still has some athleticism i think was misused so they probably don't want him at that cap number but i don't think this is going to be a, a situation where you're like man he really crippled the team because of what he's being paid in his production and regardless of what his cap number is now, he's he's the
1: greatest texter of all time. So I appreciate Harrison for sending that that picture to Chris Thomason. I appreciate Chris Thomason for sharing it. sharing that with all of us. Um, and that's all we have for this, this week's episode of, uh, of Inside Purple and Gold. Like I said, if anything happens in the next few days, maybe we just went on this long rant about Harrison Smith and they cut him today. Um, we'll hop on. We'll talk about it. Um, but don't, I don't anticipate anything huge happening in, in, in the coming days. So if nothing does, we'll be back here next week to talk more about the Vikings off season. If something does happen, we will pop back on here sometime in the next couple of days. Um, that's all we got, though, for this episode of Inside Purple and Gold. For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. Thanks for listening. Have a good week.